you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. sitting in the presence of God, watching my thoughts go by. You know, we're always surrounded and sitting in the presence of God. And we're always having thoughts. You know, there was a wonderful spiritual teacher from India named Sri Chinmoy. And Sri Chinmoy was also a poet and author. He was a musician, an artist. I guess you could say he was an overall Renaissance man. And he said the following. He said that thinking is becoming. Therefore, be very careful in your thinking. I've come to realize that if you want to get an idea of what your life will be like tomorrow or in the future, take a close look at what what you're thinking about today. You know, we have like 50,000 or more thoughts a day, at least according to scientists. And although thoughts may be invisible, they pack a lot of power in shaping our life. And this is why the Buddha said we are shaped by our thoughts. We become what we think. When the mind is pure, joy follows like a shadow that never leaves. You know, we're part of a branch of teaching called metaphysics or spiritual metaphysics. And metaphysics is the study of that which transcends the physical. It is beyond the physical. And this study is not about changing the world. This spiritual philosophy focuses on the art and science of being. So instead of being concerned with what's happening in the world, the attention is on our thought about the world and our perceptions about the world. You know, I've been following baseball a little bit more than normal. I just, I think parenthetically, I think in this short baseball season, I think there's been four no-hitters this year, which is extraordinary for this short time of the season. And another thing that each of the pitchers have pitched complete games. And for baseball aficionados, they'll know that that is uh, not usual. In fact, it's amazing. But as I was thinking of baseball, it triggered another thought I had. And, you know, I know Willie Mays, who uh, had a birthday uh, recently, turned 90 years old. And I have to say, I believe that he was the best overall baseball player of all time. 
thinking about baseball triggered me to me a story that has something to do with the talk today. And there was a, a young boy who uh, loved baseball, but he, you know, he was the only child and, he's, and he often would go into the backyard and he would bring his baseball bat and his ball and he would throw it up in the air and he would swing at the ball. And so he decided to do this one day. He went to his backyard and he was declaring and affirming that I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he'd throw up the ball and he'd swing and he missed and it was strike one. And he'd say it again, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He'd throw the ball up again and swing and he'd miss a second time. And then he'd throw the ball a third time and he took the most mighty swing he could imagine and he missed again for a strike three and he said, I realize I'm the greatest pitcher of all time. And that story just reminded me that we have the ability to think about how we see things and how we see things determine what that experience will be for us. And it's not necessarily what has happened in the world around us. Now, to be clear, it's not that Students of spiritual metaphysics are indifferent to what is going on in the world. So-called metaphysicians know that change does not start by trying to make things right, but by first seeing rightly. In other words, it's not about trying to force a change or trying to alter another person's behavior or even trying to make the world different. It's about, as one individual said, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, I believe, he said it's about seeing things from the highest point of view. This view is another way of thinking because it sees beyond the current circumstances to solutions. Probably most of us, may I speak for myself, but probably most of us are reactionary thinkers. Something happens. And more often than not, we may react. And sometimes the reaction is worry or doubt or fear or anxiety. Other times, the reaction is joy or inspiration. These responses seem normal to us since many believe that circumstances cause the thoughts we end up thinking. And as a result, we believe our reactions are inevitable because they're a byproduct of what has happened around us. Now, we love the joy and the inspiration. It makes us feel good, and that's all right. But understand, we don't have to react to our experiences with anxiety. We don't have to necessarily have to react with fear or doubt or worry. And worry is particularly worrisome. You know, for example, many people have the congealed belief in thought and belief in agreement, as unconscious as it may be, that they must worry all the time. But understand, we can interrupt that belief. We can interrupt that kind of thinking by entering what I call a no-worry clause agreement in our living. You may just want to write it down. I'm entering to a no-worry clause consciousness. I'm writing down a no-worry clause agreement with myself where I begin to no longer worry about anything. I take no anxious thought about how anything is going to be brought to me today. And every day of my life, I'm going to stop worrying. 
Because worry is like paying interest on money you not have you have not borrowed. It pays no dividends at all. Now, some folks place a mark in their worry vibration. They may get temporarily inspired and they get rid of the worry for a little while and they end up singing songs. I'm sitting in the presence of God, watching my thoughts go by. And the moment they stop singing, maybe they're asking themselves, now, what was I worried about before I started singing? Something was on my mind. I was worried about, I don't know what I was worried about, I was worried about, I was worried about, and, and they won't let it go. Or they won't stop thinking about it until they find it. And they say, let's see, what was it, what was it, what was it? Oh, yeah, now I remember what I was worried about. And they kind of believe that if they don't worry about it, it's not going to get done. It's not going to be handled. It's not going to be dealt with properly. If they're not worried about it, then it's not going to turn out all right for them. So they devote more time to worry than faith. They devote more time to worry than conviction. They, convert, they, 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 they spend more time on worry than feeling that it's going to be all right. But when that comes up, we want to sing that song from that, that, from that uh, Bob Marley song that says, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing going to be all right. And when we happen to have that worry come up, we want to begin to evoke that no worry clause and just give yourself some time out through the course of the day. Now, I'm not going to try to take all your worry out all at once because some people have fits and starts and withdrawals because, you know, they're so conditioned to worrying that they have to end up going to maybe a uh, Warriors Anonymous program. And they show up and say, you know, yeah, my name is James, if you know, and I worry. I worried all the time. I stopped worrying all of a sudden and I lost all my friends because they didn't know who I was anymore. So we don't want to ask you to just to do that. We're just saying stop and give yourself a time out from time to time. Because oftentimes we, we place a place mark in our worry and we're absolutely preventing. We're, we're obstructing. We're blocking. We're delaying the omniscience, the all-knowing, omni-activity of God working in and as our life. Understand, this presence knows everything. But it does not know problems. It does not know concerns. It only knows what's real and what's eternal. So what you're worried about is a phenomenon of our human experience. And it's a temporary low vibration way of thinking. And God, the universe, the force, does not deal with the temporary. Sometimes we're trying to use an absolute law of relativity in our worry and it's not going to work. So we're just going to amplify that which we are worried about. But what we want to do is follow the guidance that's found in Philippians, the fourth chapter in the eighth verse. And that chapter is one of my, that verse is one of my favorite verses that says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on 
these things. So put a no worry clause in your thinking and watch as your life transforms for the better. We have that choice. We can practice the art of thinking when we implement that choice. We can also choose how we respond to the so-called antagonist and maybe some of our critics in our life. We can use this artistry of thinking to understand that our critics, you know, the folks that get on our last nerve are our best friends in disguise. You know, what I realize that these individuals push us to a new level They make you go so deep that you could not get there by yourself. They make you pray when you don't want to. They make you pray when you don't have the discipline. They make you pray because sometimes that's all you can do because you can't figure it out mentally how to deal with them or the situation. Maybe on the surface level, your reaction is that you've been betrayed by life or you've been betrayed by another person. So it's too much for the surface mind to figure out. So you got to go deeper below the surface. You got to go to a different level of thinking. Because when you do, you realize that at that moment, when you go to that level, those individuals that were getting on that last nerve, they didn't know what they were doing. They they were making you become so large for the presence of God. That's how you can begin to see it. They're making you shine. They're making you radiate. They're making you access dimensions of your being that would not be able to be touched without their assistance. In fact, if they knew how good it was going to be for you, they wouldn't even do it. Because what they're doing, they're throwing you into the spiritual briar patch. And your life will rise and you'll be transformed like never before. You become a better expression of yourself. When we understand the artistry of thinking, we can get out of any reactionary responses. Because if we stay in reactionary thinking and affirm how bad things are, how bad things are in our lives, how bad things are in our politics, how bad things are in our world, it only reinforces the very energy behind the experiences we claim that we do not want. It won't stop until we step back and declare, you know, stop this train. It's time for me to get off. You know, there was a senior monk. And there was a junior monk. And they were together. They were traveling together. And at one point, they came to a river with a very strong current. And as the monks were preparing to cross the river, they saw a young, beautiful woman who was also attempting to cross that same river. And the woman asked if they would help her cross to the other side. And the two monks glanced at each other because they had taken vows not to ever touch another woman. But then without a word, the older monk picked up the woman, carried her across the river and placed her gently on the other side. And then he carried on his journey. And the other monk continued to work, walk with him, the younger monk. And the younger monk couldn't believe what he had just happened, what he had just witnessed. 
And after rejoining his companion, he was speechless and he was thinking really hard over and over again. And an hour passed without a word between them. And then two hours passed. And then three hours passed. And finally, the younger monk couldn't contain himself any longer. And he blurted out, you know, to the older monk, you know, as monks, we're not permitted to touch a woman. How could you then carry that woman on your shoulders? And the older monk looked at him and replied, Brother, I set her down on the other side of the river. Why are you still thinking about her and carrying her in your mind? We have the capacity to just say no to negative, disempowering thoughts. Often it's just a matter of recognizing it and then letting it go. You know, John Coltrane was one of the great jazz musicians in history who played the saxophone. And according to some stories I read about him, his solos were long-winded affairs. And toward the end of his life, some of his solos lasted 30 or 40 minutes. And one of the complaints from Coltrane's critics concerned how long his solos would go. You know, while he was a member of the Miles Davis Quartet or Quintet. Uh, and Miles Davis, of course, the head of the, the Quintet, he had a reputation of being very temperamental and often very explosive. In other words, he was a reactionary thinker. And Davis confronted John Coltrane about his super long solos. <clears throat> and John Coltrane responded by saying, I just don't know what it is. It seems like... I get going when I get going. I just don't know how to stop. And according to the story Miles Davis said in his gravelly voice, I imagine, why don't you just take the horn out your mouth? Why don't you just take the horn out your mouth? When we understand the artistry of thinking, we can do the same thing. We can stop the momentum of negative energy and symbolically take the horn out of our mouth, so to speak, and just stop and transform the moment by seeing things differently, by saying some of the following affirmations or visualizations. I see the facts and how things are, are right now. But within me is a power to see the facts in an empowering and positive way. I can lift my seeing to a higher point of view and infuse the energy field with an uplifting consciousness. I can be and am a part of the solution. You know, if we are to have lasting solutions to the challenges in our lives, in our society, and in our world, we must collectively think from a place of inspiration and not a place of resignation. And like I said, we don't pretend that challenges we face do not exist. They do on a three-dimensional level. To, to deny it would be a denial in the most unhelpful way. We are in this world, but we don't need to be snagged by the undertow of the low vibration consciousness that is in it. We can center ourselves in the consciousness of the spirit of the living God 
which only knows divine spiritual solutions. Well, to, to sum up for today, I believe to practice the artistry of thinking means this. No matter what happens in our world, no matter what happens supposedly out there, regardless of the news that pops up on the Internet or on the television or whatever is taking place around us or seemingly to us, we always have a choice. We don't have to be angry or at least stay in angry mode. We don't have to be unhappy. We can choose to be happy no matter what. We don't have to worry. We can choose to think creatively if that's what we want. We can be the masters and not the servants of our minds and the thoughts that pass through it. Now, admittedly, it's simple and easy to say, but not always easy to do. It's not always easy to take possession of our thoughts and our mind. But to transform from being a reactive thinker to a creative thinker really just requires lots of practice. It requires commitment. It requires intention. Because after all, we've been thinking the other way for so long. And yes, we may not be able to change the things that happen maybe in our jobs or a business environment or organizations right away. We may not immediately be able to change things in the world that we do not like, but we can change the way we deal with them. And that makes all the difference in the world. There's a poem by Ella Wheeler Wilcox that says, some ships drive east and some drive west. And they do so by the same winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that determine the way they go. He's saying to us in so many words, a ship can move eastward or westward by setting the sails, regardless of the wind. And so it is with our life. Regardless of what happens, by changing the way we deal with it, by the attitudes we hold toward what's happening, we can change the whole experience as far as we're concerned. And that, my friends, is the heart of the artistry of thinking. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transforming lives as we love, serve, and remember Who we are One heart